here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. of the Brick Rest Roundtable. Yes, we have made double figures now. Well, hey. Um, I, I am Rob, and I'm joined, as usual, by Ollie. Hey there. And Tom. Good evening. We have a ton to talk about, so we're just going to fly straight into it. Um, prime, primary thing we're going to be talking about today is uh, the recent Red Pro High Stakes show, which took place on January 16th uh, at the York Hall. Um, one of the triannual York Hall shows for Red Pro and always a highlight of the, the British wrestling calendar. Uh, I don't think anyone, any of us actually got to see this one live, um, which is a change. Yeah, I had relative things. I had the like, family over, so I was, I was a bit busy. Yeah, I didn't end up going, so... Essays, eh? Mm. <laughs> real life. Essays like Rios? Like that kind of essay. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, thankfully, there was a relatively quick um, turnaround on the VOD. Um, it was scheduled to come out on Monday, but they had a, a couple of issues with the the upload failing midway through. Um, but I think it was only, I think it was Tuesday. It actually came out. I, I saw it Thursday. Right. Tuesday, so, Wednesday. Right. Um, either way, took place on Saturday. Was out within a, less than a week, so great. Um, uh, can, can we just kind of uh, skip the, the usual thing of breaking the card down, just go straight to uh, Osprey and Skirl, because I just want to talk about that immediately. Sure. <laughs> um, this, it, it's, this match was so good that Dave Meltzer was raving about it on, on his Twitter feed. We were, it was getting love from the Dave Meltzer. That, that's, uh, you, you don't normally hear a lot of uh, British matches getting praise of this magnitude, um, sort of from, from well-established uh, American journalists, because they don't really pay that much attention to the British scene. So for this match to get over there, like this, it's got to be a good one. Um, I know you didn't like it as much as me, Rob. Um, Ollie, how did you feel about it? Uh, like, this was almost the the essential uh, British wrestling match for, like, for the modern day. 
like Skull and Osprey, they're the two biggest stars in Britain. Like this is this was sort of the one that uh we'll look back on in well there's another one coming up this weekend which we may also look back on, but this series and this match in particular that will be coming into this whole series is almost like the one we'll look back on in ten years' time and think that's this defines this era of British wrestling. Like it was that good. I'm almost I'm borderline five stars in it. I haven't like had enough time to let the match sort of sink into my brain just yet. But it was definitely a very special one and both guys pulled out the absolute all, all, pulled out all the stops on that one. And like it's probably Osprey's second best match ever behind the side owl match. I don't know about Skull, but yeah, special performances from both. I think it's definitely Skill's best match. I've, I've never seen him come like that close to uh, you know a, a true classic before. And it was just the, everything about the match was good. The, the, the familiarity, uh, the, the, the little subtle bits of selling that were in there, the the counters they got going down down the uh, the stretch were phenomenal. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Um, like the sequences were just incredible. Like that's such high level stuff and shows like such a rep like. Um, a rapport between each other. They know each other so well, and they can pull off things that you just wouldn't be able to see from anyone else in the world of wrestling. Well, I love the fact that they've got such established movesets, both of them, that they were able to kind of riff off that, and not only do the counters, but kind of steal moves off each other. It really felt like a big-time match, um, like the kind of epic atmosphere that you get for something that's mm. uh, headlining a big show like a Wrestle Kingdom or WrestleMania it was that good. Yeah. I, I almost feel like this this almost wasn't the right time to do this match. Like you say, they were stealing moves off each other, re- making reversals that you've never seen before and like it was all for a number one contendership and the prestigious action figure <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute. But like it's almost like the stakes weren't high enough uh, the show name <laughs> for <laughs> this match uh, to be as it was, but it was still an amazing match. And the the thing is, they can top this. Like as great as it was, you know that they can do even better. And Osprey's only going to get better skills in his prime. Like I'm looking forward to the next one, and I don't have to wait that long for it. Yeah, the the progress match has got an awful lot to live up to now because that was that really set the bar of uh, of what good is. Mm. You made it sound like he didn't like this match. Oh yeah, no, I didn't I mean to say it. that he didn't like it, but yeah, like <laughs> he rated it lower than than I considered rating it. Yeah. I was never sort of. I mean, you went four stars, and I was never. I don't think I ever dropped down that low at any point. There, there were parts of it. There were there was too much in the minutia of this match um, that I I didn't like for me to go much higher. But I really enjoyed the overall story that it told. Um, like uh, things like um, there, there were several spots and you know, sequences where there was a bit too much delayed selling. I mean, I, I, not like no selling, but um, a guy would hit a move, and then the other guy would pop straight back up, hit another move, uh, hit a move, and then they trade moves for a while, and then they'd sell. That's your fighting spirit. That that can work, but I think they did overuse that a bit much. And there there are a few move, um, mm. periods in this match where I, I felt that the moves stopped meaning as much because you you knew the other guy was just going to pop straight back up 
uh, and do his own one. And yeah. the only move that actually mattered would be the last one in the sequence. Um, but the overall story, the story of Osprey just being overconfident for this match, and you know playing up to the crowd too much, and getting caught for it, and Skull, the the way they presented Skull as having scouted Osprey so well here, because you you went on about the counters. Um, that both guys had, but Skrull especially, they really presented him as having an answer to every single Osprey move, and that he'd scouted him so, so well to a higher level than Osprey had, and that's why he won. They didn't necessarily present Marty as a better wrestler here. Just better prepared. They, they just presented him as more well prepared, and that that's a story yeah. I love. Because um, <coughs> you came away with Osprey looking really strong, but Marty also seeming a very worthy winner. I think it kind of the it helps that they've had matches like big matches in in Red Pro before where Osprey has won, and it's kind of given him that that confidence to go into this match and go like uh, ah you know I'm going to win this one as well, only for Skill to have you know gone away, looked at the tape, gone that's where I went wrong, come back get the win. Mm-hmm. And they did play off of previous encounters with some of their moves as well, like um, Osprey's springboard getting countered into the chicken wing was a move from their triple threat match. So, uh, like, they're definitely building a series here. They had the match in the summer, which Osprey won, which was sort of uh, a preview of the triple threat match, which Osprey got pinned in, and now here Skull's got the upper hand again. It's very back and forth, and you know eventually they're going to build to a title match, presumably, between these two. How long away that is, I don't know. But uh, Red Pro are definitely like putting all their eggs into this girl and Osprey feud, and they're delivering. Yeah, it really has delivered. I mean, like I, I was totally caught up, in, and I know what you're saying, Rob, about the like like delayed cells and stuff. But I was so caught up in the in the atmosphere of the match, of the way that they put it together, that I I was never like lost. I was always like, "What's next? What's next? Oh, that's brilliant!" You know, and that was the whole match. <laughs> When when Osprey finally got like a hundred percent serious right at the end, and he made that last big flurry, um, where yeah. you know he's no longer playing up to the crowd at all. He, he's just you know he's he's fired up, um, and he's just slapping Skull, and then it it looks like he's gonna make this huge comeback and finally get the win, and that that's just before um, Skull turns it around and gets him in a vicious. It, it was the elbows as uh, well. With, he, he kind of just yeah, before American it, Dragon yes, elbows. nailed him with those elbow strikes in there, and then hooked the chicken wing and, and got it. That like I've I've heard some people say that the match peaked before the finish. For me, it had to do that last Osprey flurry, um, where he's finally gotten a hundred percent serious. To, to finish the story of that match. It was when Osprey finally did get 100% serious, he was probably better than Skrull. But it, he, he just did that too late and he was too far behind already in the match. Like, the, the little things where, where Osprey hit a, a big dive early in the match uh, and then goes up onto the, the barricade and mm. 
you know, starts cheering with the fans and then just yeah. gets straight back up and pulls him down. That, was, that was a tremendous, like, character-building moment. I mean, that, that whole thing came about because Skull was overly celebrating the move as well because he'd thrown Osprey into the crowd and he was kind of, like, you know, dancing around mocking the, the crowd for cheering Osprey. And then Will's gone round and dives off the ramp to attack him. <laughs> and then Osprey over-celebrates and gets pulled off the, the rail. It was just so good. I, I think end, end of the year we're going to be talking about this one. This is uh, genuinely a, a match of the year contender. A pretty award. Oh, yeah. A definitely <laughs> a pretty award contender straight out the box from Red Pro. Um, another thing, that, an, another small thing I didn't like about this match, the, the opening couple of minutes felt perhaps a little overly goofy for me. There, there was one spot where they, they had this big sequence of moves and they're all dodging out of the way and then they just both end it with a, a simultaneous pose off. <laughs> That's the wow. indie standoff. That, that... <laughs> no, but like... It, it, it was a bit matrixy. It, I'll agree. Yeah. Like... <laughs> like, I'm fine with a pose after you've, like, taken out your opponent, but you're like... They were... They didn't... Weren't even far apart. They were just standing right next to each other, randomly posing towards each other. That, that, that didn't work. So I enjoyed that as well. I mean, it was just the... That was what it was all about for them. They were trying to one-up each other, and it was like, okay, we're kind of level here, I suppose. It was, it was the kind of thing that uh, like Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn used to do. So I know I was really into that whole, you know, the spot, 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 yes, thing that they used to do on the on the indies. But um, it, it's been a while since I saw that, so uh, it was kind of a nostalgia throwback almost for me. Uh, the, I would say the minor complaints overall, I thought it was a very, very good match. Oh yeah, I, I'd definitely be in agreement there. It's a tremendous match. Um, I think it might still be my my favourite skill match that I've seen. Um, yes, I did have those small complaints, but as I said, the overall story they told in this this whole match was just. It was just masterfully done, um, and there there'll be people who who don't like this match. You know, they'll, they'll say it's too spotty. They'll, they'll they'll say there wasn't enough selling, but I think that's missing the the overall point and the overall story being told um, more than just the the individual moves and sequences. Yeah, well, I think you could take this match though, and you, you put it in New Japan, it's a great match. You put it in WWE, it's a great match. I mean, it helps if you know the backstories. It helps if you know the characters. But the way that they put it together, it was it was it was an extremely well put together match. Mm. You can definitely watch this in a vacuum, and it still be every bit as good. But like, it's almost building to something more special. Like this is gonna be a great rivalry. I mean, it kind of already is. But Skull and Osprey are like the big rivalry of the British scene right now. So it's very exciting. So yeah, I've totally derailed the um, <laughs> the normal format. So uh, did you want to go back to uh, Pink Dunn and Flash Morgan Webster? Or? Just just, <laughs> just one other thing before we 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 move off this match. Um, commentary here for the first time <laughs> was atrocious. That it, it infuriated me how much they harped on this action figure which really was just a secondary stipulation in this match. What this match felt about was about a title shot, but the commentary just went on and on and on about 
mm. making making an action figure seem so much more special than the main title in the promotion. It got that? it got incredibly cutesy, like with um Ollie is what's his surname? Ollie Bennett, uh, like going on about how much it would rile up the other to see, uh, kids holding the other person's action figure. Like, no, <laughs> like you can mention it certainly, like do a little plug, but then move on to the actual story of the match, and yeah, it was it was just like very tone deaf. Well, honestly, I'm not a fan of Andy Boy Simmons on commentary. Um, during this show. Some of the shit he came out with was just ludicrous. I don't really understand where he's coming from. Where, um, like Ollie Bennett, he'll turn around and he'll say, "Oh, this this guy was trained by so and so," and he was going, "Oh, never heard of him." Um, that level of ignorance is just not acceptable. It's like if you're going to be a commentator on a wrestling show, you need to know about the wrestlers that are on the show. That's the whole point. He does, of it. He- he does remind me a lot of um, like the the WWE ex wrestler announcers, so JBL, Jerry Lawler, etc. Um, yeah, and they're shit and just as like well. with, but um... yeah, <laughs> shit like bullheadedness, like refusal to refusal to admit that they're wrong. I know it's the gimmick they're playing the heel announcer, but it becomes across as just so like if if this was a legitimate company hiring legitimate com- commentators. Uh, I mean, like, uh, non-kayfabe. Like, why would they put up with this, like, lack of professionalism? It's just, it, it's a gimmick, but it detracts from matches, and I, I, I do kind of enjoy the gimmick. I have a soft spot for it, like, the ex-wrestler transported from five years ago, trying to still seem relevant, but when he's saying things like, who is this guy? Like, I thought he was, uh, playing the, the Macho Man character. Referring to Jay Lee. Yeah, that was cringe like, movie. You just you you can't say that and come off like a professional, legitimate commentator. It it's gimmicky as hell and like it's not, the only time he came up with a useful piece of information on the entire show was when he referenced Samoa Joe's um ROH uh title becoming a world title when he defended it in your call. Which is true. Uh but the only reason he knew that is because he was on that show. <laughs> that's the only reason he knew it it wasn't like he researched it he didn't go and go yeah let's go and find out something about the Ring of Honor title so I can say something on commentary and come across as an informed <laughs> individual he just happened to be there when it happened that's the only reason he knew I'm really not a fan of commentators needing to be faces or heels like or, or have gimmicks as it, as it is um I just think it's so overplayed, and really, a comment commentators for me should just tell the story of the match, help get the story of the match across, and you know, commentate rather than trying to get themselves oh, over yeah. as a character because they they don't need to be. Um, uh, it's such a standard in um, in wrestling at this point, but there's no reason why you need a heel announcer. <laughs> I think the only the one the only one in, in the business I really enjoy at the moment who works as a heel on commentary but like not all the way is Corey Graves in NXT, and that's because he genuinely knows what he's talking about because he's done the research 
Uh, so when he leans towards a heel wrestler, he's got a legitimate reason for doing so, and you can kind of back it up. But Simmons, he's just—he's got nothing behind it. He's just like, I don't like this guy. He's too much—he's you know cheering the crowd and you're slapping hands and stuff. Boom, that's all he's got. There, there were points in this show where I thought overall the commentary was was fairly good, but there were definitely sections where it was definitely detracting from from matches. Um, that were taking place. I, I don't want to knock um, um, Ollie Bennett. I thought he did a really good job. I mean, it, it must be hard to hold it together when you've got somebody who's such, so obtuse that you're working with that it's just everything that you throw at him is just like bounded back and, you know, you've got nowhere to go with it. But the information that he was giving me, though, was, was solid stuff. He talked about, uh, like, Bowler. If I hadn't seen Bowler, he gave me a lot of background on that. Yeah, he gave a lot of really good information on the guys that were on the show. Um, Simmons gives me nothing. That's the problem. He didn't even turn up for the first match. I enjoyed the first match. <laughs> I thought the commentary was all right in the first match. I think Andy Quilden's a really good commentator. Yeah, because he wants um, to put over the product, not himself. <laughs> because the, the product is himself. Um. I mean, obviously he has other priorities when he's at a show, um, for the most part, and that's why he's not always on commentary. But, but the times when he is on commentary, both he's done both colour commentary and um, play-by-play um, in the last year or so, and I think he's, he's really delivered in both, both times. Um, it, it makes sense as a booker, but he, he's been really good at getting the stories of the matches. Yeah, over. yeah, I totally agree on that. Um, so I would completely be happy with a um, an Ollie Bennett, Andy Corden full-time commentary team. Um, or, you know, you can get someone better than Simmons, but uh, I get the impression that the Red Pro is so tied to the, the wrestling school that Andy Boy Simmons runs that that's not going to happen anytime soon. Unfortunately. Um, anyway, shall we, shall we get back on track and uh, yeah, let's uh, loop back around. So, tw- 20 minutes uh, in, and we're going to talk about the first match, which was uh, the British Cruiserweight title match from Pete Dunn and Flash Morgan Webster. Uh, that belt seems to be uh, almost a little bit jinxed until Pete Dunn took it on. So, you had Josh Bowden had a really short reign, and then Andrew Everett beat him and injured his knee in the same match and had to give it up about, what, uh, a week later, if that? Less than a week. Might have been the next day. Yeah. Um, so then we had a little mini tournament, and that was won by Pete Dunne. He beat Flash Morgan Webster, and this was the rematch. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed this match. I thought it was a solid opener, but Flash Morgan Webster still isn't good. Um... I thought I might have turned the corner with him. Yeah, you um, liked him on the progress. Uh, so, in his yeah. progress. But the, this was all Pete Dunne. All, all the positives of this match were, were Pete Dunne. Uh, Morgan Webster was just a, a guy to throw around and make annoying facial expressions that were supposed to get me to cheer him. I, um, I didn't see uh, when, when Ollie said uh, last time out about uh, most improved, he picked out uh, Pete Dunne and I was like, yeah, Pinkton's not that much better than he was a year ago. And then then I saw him in this match and was like, oh, actually he is. 
he's uh what changed his his physique he's changed his everything really he looks like a different guy he, he now looks nothing like his brother um as for flash morgan webster i think it's the gimmick that annoys me the most i think he could get by if he wasn't didn't have that mod gimmick um he recently did a luke skywalker gimmick on a i can't remember the name of the show now there was a an indie show he did but only came out as basically luke skywalker with the, the lightsaber and everything and just uh, seeing him do that i liked him immediately a lot more so i don't know if he just needs to change gimmicks and i might be kind of more on side with him i just hate Mars. I feel like I'm a bigger fan of uh, Webster than both of you guys. Like oh, I don't, easily, I don't see, I don't see him as like a. He, I don't think he has any star potential, unlike Pete Dunne, who I'll get to in a minute. But uh, like he he has become a solid performer over the last year as he's got more experience on a bigger stage. Like you can now rely on him for at least some quality every time out, and uh, like he definitely improved over 2015. I think he deserves a spot on a big show like this. But again, as like an opening, losing the opener, I think is almost like the the perfect spot for him right now. And Pete Dunne looked pretty great in this match, to be honest. Like uh, I I said, he was one of the most improved wrestlers of 2015 in our last episode. Um, and like he seems to have just gotten his place as a wrestler down. Like he's gotten his attitude, he's got his look down. Like, he looks really impressive, and he's only 22, so he will, uh, like, get that more down pat as time goes on. Uh, this was an impressive debut pin the, in there front is of still uh, room, like a four-figure crowd. There's still room in there for improvement, I think. He's uh, he's, he's improved yeah. on his look, um, on, he's improved on his moveset, but I think he, he really needs uh, a finisher. I, I don't know what, but he needs something just to... Where I'm convinced that the match is over, he's, he, he needs to hit something, and I go, "Ah, that's clearly it." Whereas I don't feel like he's really got that yet. Next match was Big Damo versus Mike Bailey, and this is a match that, um, from what I've seen, has really polarized opinions. A lot of people really weren't into this one and saw it as a, a mess. I really enjoyed it. Um, it. Actually, my 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 favorite Big Damo match to date, um, which is saying something since he's had. Matches with Ishii, Tanahashi, and Nakamura. Um, the first few minutes didn't quite work, but but after that, it, I I thought it really clicked, and then you know went from strength to strength until the finish. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Rob. Uh, I saw the comments. Uh, Rude Gun didn't like it, but um, no, it it seemed to click fine with me. I mean, uh, Bailey, the only complaint that I had about Bailey the last time I saw him was that um, he looked a little bit out of shape. Uh, during Bowler he looked a little, you know, sort of tubby around the waistline. Um, he looks a lot better here. Uh, he looked in good shape. Um, and, like, his, his offense was convincing in, like, you know, bringing Damo down to his size, because that, that is a big size difference. And it's not an easy match to do, you know, big guy versus small guy. And uh, I thought they pulled it off really well. So I'm, I'm surprised to, to see that there's like a, a, a negativity towards it. Uh, Ollie? Yeah, like their styles meshed really well, I think. Um, I think they, they got each other 
pretty quickly. Like, there wasn't anything lost in translation, as you might get from two guys who are used to working different styles. Um, like, they, they both come across as legitimate competitors, which I think is uh, <clears throat> what they built the match around. Like, legitimate strikes, like, a, unlike something like Osprey Skull, where a lot of it was flying, Matrix stuff. Like, this was very much grounded in reality. And both styles are good, they can both produce great matches, but I feel like this is just a bit different and a bit uh, more physical, you know. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Uh, the, uh, my favourite thing about this match was that uh, Damo used the, I don't even know what to call it, it's like a reverse brain buster. Um, because we watched him do that to Nakamura, and I was sat next to you, Rob, and I was like, oh god, what have you done, Damo? <laughs> he killed Nakamura. You crazy man. Um, but like a lifted reverse DDT. I, kind of oh, thing. it's just an yeah. evil move. And that, at the time, I was like, "Well, that's clearly a finish if he can land it safe." And here he is using it, landing it safe. Apparently, on on Bailey, no problem after the uh, the match. So uh, yeah, I, I would worry if he tried to do it on anyone quite large. Because it is an evil-looking move, but it, I think he's found his uh, his big finish, definitely. And I'm glad especially he's especially in front of the Red Pro crowd, who have seen him, you know, hurt uh, Nakamura yeah. with it. It's um, like, Ooh, that's it, over. <laughs> it, it's just it just works. Yeah, it's a bit like um, the Styles Clash after uh, the Yoshitatsu thing. Like after after that, for like six months, everyone was just gasping every time. He, AJ Styles attempted the Styles Clash. Really nervous, didn't they? As soon as somebody was, was like, lined <coughs> yeah. up for it, it was like, oh, 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 what's going to happen? So, luckily, Damo hasn't broken anyone's neck with this move, and it's just like a. It just looks like he should. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it hasn't actually hurt anyone yet, so that's even better. Like, he's managed to get over this move as dangerous because it looks dangerous rather than because uh, it actually hurt someone. So yeah. I mean, I even. Uh, it could have. It looked like a botch. Like the first time I saw it, it was like, oh, did he mean to do that? But he obviously did. Yeah, I, you know, the first time I saw it in the Nakamura match, yeah, yeah. right? Um, I I really think he was going for like a, an inverted suplex there. The same kind of thing that um, Alberto Del Rio does off the top rope was like a, an inverted superplex, but standing, obviously. Um. I really think that's what he was going for because I've watched it back and it really looks like he trips. Um, and I think he's just adapted that, knowing that that will now get a huge reaction in the York Hall because we've all seen it go wrong. Yeah. Um, it's now got this air of being well, dangerous and he, he's capitalising that, on that. That's where the DDT came from. Uh, Jake Roberts was having a match. Um, he was had got going a, a front face lock and he just tripped over and bang. And the, the, apparently the crowd just went, oh, and that's what he uses as a finisher after that. He kind of worked, for, worked on a way to actually get it safe. So um, I think Damo stumbled, I'll do that again. stumbled upon the same uh, trick. Um, another thing I really noticed that for me was a big improvement for Damo here um, compared to his, his earlier big matches is he really added some dynamism to to his control periods and for a guy his size who's going to be having extended control periods for for uh, most of his matches that that's that's really really something important for him it's, it's not um, easy to do either 
No, because you can't just like hit a guy with 20 big moves repeatedly um, to no response. But he previously, they had been boring, his control periods. He'd just been, you know, standing on his opponent, you know, slowly walking around the ring, occasionally do, you know, giving a few kicks in the corner. And it was just dull, and you were just waiting for it to end. Here, he 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 does enough that it keeps you engaged. Um, and for me, that's a that's a huge imp- improvement for him. I thought his selling was really good as well, because um, Bailey was hitting him with uh, well, like a combination of like flying and martial arts, and um, he did a really good job of selling it. Just possibly the the whole shock of like I, I can't believe I'm being hit like this, but. You know, he, he kind of dropped down into the corner sometimes, and uh, yeah, did a good job. Yeah, like I, I like the way the strikes were worked into this match. Like Bailey had to work really hard to get Damo off his feet, and clearly had like l- lots of effect on Damo, but Damo was trying not to show it. Uh, whereas Damo just needs one forearm to knock Bailey off his feet. It felt very like realistic, I suppose, as if this is what it would be like if a big guy fought a little guy. No matter how skilled they are, like Bailey's still gonna go flying if Damo hits him. Yeah, it's a good match. Um, next up, Doug Williams versus Colt Cabana. When we previewed this, we were talking about um, like how uh, Cabana was really strong at comedy, Doug was really strong at um, the the technical style, but that the opposite was also true. And the first half of this match. That's what happened. There was an awful lot of uh, really strong uh, British wrestling style comedy. And it might not have been particularly quick, but it was a nice change of pace for the show after, you know, two guys beating each other up. Um, And they they seemed like they were really enjoying it. I think my only uh, beef with the match is that when it went a bit more serious in the second half, it kept that same sort of methodical pacing. And I don't think I enjoyed that as much as uh, as I did when they, they were working in the comedy, working in the British style. It, it definitely did. There, there was definitely an abrupt change midway through where it went from the technical British style to, a, you know, kind of a hybrid between that and your more regular independent um style match um trading bigger moves um but overall I, I i really enjoyed this a lot more than i was perhaps expecting to um colt really stepped up and you know he, he is very good at wrestling a similar style to what doug williams is known for and he showed it here um well, there was a time he, when he was a major student of the british game um i mean he used to come over here as often as he could he uh, work um, any experienced um, British veterans that you could find. Um, he deliberately do these British tours just so he could learn more. Um, when when I travelled with him, the once he was reading um, the wrestling. I don't know if you chaps have read that. It's about like the ITV World of Sport era, and uh, there's a lot of good information in that book and. Uh, he's absorbed all that. He's he's learned an awful lot about uh, the British style, and there are not many American wrestlers who've done that. Not even uh, Danielson, who spent a long time over here touring, um, like the holiday camps, and that he didn't pick up as much. 
and utilize it as much as Carl Cabana has. So I, I don't think he gets enough praise for that. Doesn't really use it that much these days, but um, he did here, and it was it was it was great. Um, definitely stood out on this card as something different, <coughs> and that that was the its best shot at being good, really, because these two guys aren't going to go out there and have as a similar style match as um, say Osprey and Skrull or Styles and Zack Sabre Jr. They aren't going to have that sort of match and live up on a card like this. Um, so they they went and did their own thing, and it was a nice change of pace. It reminded me of um, the Doug Williams Johnny Storm match from Rev Pro last year, like a very technical, like old school kind of match, but uh, shone or like had its place on the card despite not being what is. Um, like the it, it crowd of wrestling right now, like it's not what you would normally go and see, but uh, as an undercard match, it definitely worked and like held held my attention. And Cabana definitely doesn't get enough credit for being able to adapt his style to really anywhere he goes. He can work the comedy, he can work the Japanese strong style with Hero to an extent, and like he can come here with Doug Williams and wrestle this uh like world of sports style match. So with a bit like added intensity, like fusing the styles together, like yeah, it was good stuff. I'm just pleased the uh, that British style was still alive and well. You, you don't see an awful lot of guys using it. It's, uh, we've become so Americanized. I mean, especially when you look at our, our, our top guys like Will Osprey, doesn't do an awful lot of the British style. He just doesn't. He's that's not what he does. Um, so it's pleasing to see it's still alive. Hopefully, we'll get uh, uh, some guys coming through and uh, becoming students of, of that game. I, I would hate to see it die out altogether. Yeah, it's definitely something that I I don't enjoy to the same high levels as I do. You know, your more typical um, style, uh, independent style, like say the, the Osprey Skull stuff. But it, it's something I like. I like to have on cards because um, it's a great undercard match. Because um, it always offers something different. And yeah, completely agree. Hope hope it doesn't ever die out. Always, always something nice to have as a novelty, if nothing else. I'm hoping uh, Lord Gideon Gray can learn himself some uh, some old school moves if he's uh, going to be going up against Cockabana. Well, um, and Andy Boy Simmons didn't seem too uh, too hopeful of that. Um, <laughs> no, he didn't. Boy, very, at one point, drops the line. Well, Lord Gideon Gray is not really a very good technical wrestler. <laughs> like, oh, way way to bury. I mean, he's probably right, but he, I, that's, I, that's nothing uh, would one of his guys. Nothing would please me more uh, for the the good Lord to uh, learn himself some uh, technical skills and. School cabana upon the mat. <laughs> well, it's happening uh, uh, in a month's time, so that'll be interesting to see if he does pick up anything. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that because um, at, at the moment, as good a heel as he is, I, I would like him to have more depth to his character, and that level of, of mat wrestling skill would certainly do that. Because after this match, um... Colt Cabana took to the mic um, in what 
was really a weirdly smoky ring. I think oh, yeah. <laughs> might have bought a new smoke machine all, and were getting all the best it use out of it they smoky. could. Um, it was huge amounts of smoke. Uh, I imagine if you were there live, there were there were points where you couldn't see anything. It was like um, um, the Jack the Ripper Finn Balor entrance, but without any of the uh, <laughs> dramatics. Yeah, so the Colt took the mic and began cutting a promo, putting himself in in the hat um, for the next British heavyweight title shot out of the the winner for. AJ Styles and uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Despite there already being a number one contenders match, but yeah, multiple multiple title challenges. Um, but he got cut off here by Lord Gideon Gray wearing a Matt Classic mask, uh, coming down to the ring and taking him out basically, and saying that that feud isn't over. Um, what do you think of this whole segment? Because I thought um, Gideon's promo was actually really good. I think they need to take it to new places. I've, it's been a fairly entertaining feud, but the matches have always been like so-so. Um, like I say, if, if he can come into that match, the, the good Lord, and I have faith in him, that um, if he can come into that match and show uh, Colt that he can match him at the British style, which he should be able to because he's British, um, that would... Inbuilt into that our would, DNA, it, but... Yeah, damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an improvement for me. I, I need, it needs to have some fresh new direction to go in. And it's either that or you bring in somebody else. And they've already done, like, uh, Rishi Ghosh as part of the thing. They've done Grado as part of it. So maybe just it's just time to step up. It, it has been going on nearly two years now. It'll be two years in February. Um that there does need to be somewhere else for this to go if they're going to be continuing it. Um, maybe this is the, the final blow-off we're seeing in February, but um, it, the ideal scenario here is uh, Gideon, you know, finally showing up as a, a more serious wrestler and, um, and delivering um, and coming out of this match as more than a comedy character, um, which he currently is, basically. Um, We've seen him so... do this on Red Pro TV. It's not like it's completely beyond him. It's, he's not completely useless. That He has uh, a degree of skill. So hopefully we'll see that. <laughs> the mildest of mild praise. <laughs> <laughs> he has a degree, a of, degree skill. of skill. Uh, he's, he's not unreasonable in the ring. Maybe he can add a few more degrees. Like three, three degrees. <laughs> he gets the three degrees of skill. He he gets the approval. Um, after that was the Osprey Skull match, which we've already waxed lyrical about. Tremendous match. Um, then we had intermission, and then we were on to Jay Lethal versus Mark Haskins, which, as a match, I enjoyed. Crowd. Really weren't into it that much. It was much. so hard to um, follow on from from Osprey versus Skull. I mean, having that match bang in the in the middle of the card there, it's so hard to follow on from that. I, I did not envy them. As soon as they came out, I was like, "This is not going to go down well." It doesn't matter how good the match is; it's not going to be that mm. good. It didn't matter. It didn't help that uh, 
it started slow as well. Like, Lethal is a methodical wrestler, certainly that's part of uh, his charm, his gimmick, is that he does uh, like work slow, work more like traditional heel, and then picks up later on. Um, like, it certainly works, his matches are very good, but like, following on, even with intermission, following on from Skull Osprey, uh, with that kind of style was never going to like enamor the crowd lots. Uh, the match definitely picked up towards the end, as did the crowd's investment. But with the stipulation of the Ring of Honor title being on the line, I don't think anyone could seriously get behind Haskins as winning the match. Whereas if it had been non-title, then maybe Haskins would have a chance. But there's no way that uh, the title's going to change yeah. on this show. I, so I, that certainly played into the. I felt the, the same match. about that because as soon as they announced it was for the ROH title, it's like, well, then Lethal's winning. Because um, this, they've done this, other companies have done this as well, where they have a belt go on tour and they announce it as a title match. And the guy that is wrestling the champion has never set foot in the promotion <laughs> that they're competing for the title belt for. It's like Haskins has never had a match in Ring of Honor, he's never going to win that belt. It's just not going to happen. I, I I know if we're kind of thinking, oh, it's just like a pseudo sport, there's a chance for anyone to win on any given day, especially somebody as talented as, as Mark Haskins, but it's not. And everybody knows <laughs> that it's just not going to happen. So I'm not sure why they went for that. Maybe that was a, a Ring of Honor call that they wanted the title defended, possibly. I don't know. It does add to like the prestige of the show to say that the Ring of Honor title was defended. But it, at the same time, it detracts from the match. It's defended in itself because you know who's winning, and I don't even I don't mind particularly when you know who's going to win a wrestling match. Like it doesn't necessarily have to detract from the match. I think in this instance, like coming on after Osprey Skull, uh, like the nature of like the the heel champion lethal versus like Haskins, who's going through a bit of like a, a story arc where he's always losing the big match um, like I feel like it just kind of deflated the match a little bit it was uh, like the last 10 minutes or so were very good like after their slow start Haskins put in a lot of energy um, Lethal's uh, like Lethal was really on the edge which again would have been more effective had it been non-title like he really looked like he was going to lose until the low blow uh Again, his character playing up uh, to the finish, and then the lethal injection. Um, but yeah, it just kind of deflated the match a little bit for me. Lethal definitely likes to to really build his his title matches from from the ground up. Um, and yeah, as you say, they do start out slow and build and build and build. And for that to work, people really have to to bite. On the the big big uh, comebacks from Haskins, and because everyone knew he was losing, they they simply didn't. And while, as I said, I really enjoyed the work of this match, it it didn't it didn't fit for the for the crowd, and it didn't fit knowing that the crowd knew the result. Um, you, I think you, I... if they'd have gone out there and had more of a spot fest. It, it would have probably got the crowd more into it. Um, as it is, they worked a good match, but not the right match. I think it would have helped possibly if they'd have put the, the six-man, the no-DQ match in first, and then had Lethal and Haskins after that. It just, 
it was almost like you needed even with intermission you just kind of needed a match that was completely different just to have a like a buffer match and then get back to the the serious business and then i think you could have put that match on then and it, it possibly would have been better received and this would have been a, a good lead into the main event because it it was a uh, it was worked as a, a big match but then it had that flat finish with the low blow um uh, and then you could have transitioned into the more satisfying main event um even if we'll get onto this but even if i wasn't a, a huge fan of the main event it was definitely more of a, a complete match than this yeah um i wasn't keen on on the match as a whole it, it was a solid enough match that there was two guys who were good wrestlers that had a decent wrestling match but that they were never going to be helped by following on from from skull and osprey where i with the match that they had had uh prior to that it was just it was an impossible job i think for me um this in front of a different crowd this is a great match a uh, legitimately great match i really enjoyed the work but yeah the crowd did hurt it a lot well, a lot of the technical um, uh, wrestling in there a lot of the switches especially from haskins were really strong but um what can you do when, when you're in that spot it's, it's tough. um now following this match we had the the big six man no dq match which you you mentioned a few about a minute ago um well, which saw the revolutionists, uh, James Castle, Shah Samuels, and Josh Bowden take on Jimmy Havoc, T-Bone, and a big surprise, which ended up being Bram. Fucking no Bram. Bram. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that... Bram. Oh, my. Oh. Why, why was Bram the big surprise? Like, I, I have... Uh, strong feelings about Bram just being used as a wrestler after like the things that he has done um so allegedly done allegedly done <laughs> um and like for him to be like the big surprise and to ever expect a positive reaction for TNA's Bram like he's been he's been washed by so many like tarred brushes he's been tarred by so many brushes i guess that's a metaphor i'm looking for but like i totally understood that yeah it's impossible for anyone to get excited about him anymore, unless you're like a TNA diehard, in which case... Um, Motherfuck <laughs> you. There, there are about maybe four people in the the arena, uh, the venue, who were, who were really excited when Bram came out. Um, I think one of them just heard the music and liked the music, and then... <laughs> you, could, you could see him on camera, he... He, he he got up, he cheered when the music hit, and you <laughs> saw on the Titan Tron that the Bram came up and went, oh, oh, I thought it was someone else. I, yeah, I thought it was somebody better down. than that. <laughs> there, was, there was one guy who seemed genuinely excited to see Bram, and then the other two were the commentators, um, who who really, to be fair to them, they, they did their best. Um, they they tried their very best to put over Bram, but no nobody cared. Who would, who would we have uh, booked instead of Bram if we were? Rampage Bram. I think if his yeah. music hit, that that <laughs> place would have gone crazy. Um, He's the most logical guy with the link to T-Bone. and Yeah. <laughs> but instead, Bram. Yeah. I, I guess he's, well, he's a bigger name, I, I would guess. He's kind of been on television. but um, 
Um, I saw a poster for a wrestling show in uh, Worcester, uh, which actually had T-Bone on it as well. But um, I was I, I saw it just out of the corner of my eyes. I walked past the building, so I went back and looked, and and it was like oh, wrestling in Worcester. And um, uh, down the bottom it said featuring TNA's Brown. I was like, well, I fuck that then. <laughs> <laughs> a negative like an anti-draw. Yeah. Um, that all said, though, and while I do think he was a terrible option because, you know, <coughs> you built up a surprise and you ended it with Bram, I actually thought he was pretty decent in this match. At least it wasn't Mr. Moonsault. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah. Although I think he, eventually he could have got over if he was constantly being the mystery partner. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. X. This Mr. X, there he is. Well, like a mask on him and all he does is moon sorts. He, he's busy because he's facing Kenny Omega uh, at New Beginning. That'd be a short match. <laughs> One wing angel gun. Straight away. Catches him midair in a moonsault. <laughs> See, I'd, I'd enjoy that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, Rob, I know you like this match. Um, I'd possibly because you had such low expectations about it. But um, I think that me, might have been just, it. It was just, you know, six guys doing the, the brawl around the building uh, deal. It didn't look like they planned anything. It was just just a, a brawl and nothing much happened. Um, acid Rainmaker, and that was it. I mean, it was, it was nice for Havoc to like, finally get a, some kind of redemptive win over mm. uh, Josh Bowden to kind of like put some kind of a closure on, on the storyline that they had going on there, but uh, yeah, the match itself, the actual content of it was, was, was shit. I I think a lot of it might have been that when Bram came out, I had such low expectations, and when it ended up being solid, I, I went, oh, that was surprisingly better than I was expecting. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed it over your standard um, crowd brawling. Because you did usually have two guys in the ring actually doing something vaguely resembling wrestling, right? While while the other four guys did end up wandering around the the arena, punching each other, um, having a nice stroll. But um, <laughs> there there was there was always something going on at least, which put it ahead I, of your standard garbage brawl with see, plenty I, I of crowd I preferred every uh, every garbage brawl that the progress had done. I would say is probably better than this, just because when they do like a garbage brawl, there's at least one spot in there that makes you go like, "Oh, look at that!" And then they kind of go back to the the, the brawling again. This didn't have it; it was just brawling. So I I didn't get it. I wasn't into it. I was just too bad. So I, I yeah. liked pretty much every other match on the show, but this one, I, nothing. I mean, I don't want to see Bram back. Uh, I don't particularly want to see T-Bone back either. Um, but T-Bone's I... my boy. You leave T-Bone alone. <laughs> I'm indifferent. Well, then why did you hate this match so much? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was rubbish. And T-Bone was rubbish. Then. He, he was he was rubbish, but um, you know, give him a chance. He's, he's still my boy. <laughs> Well, I guess we'll see him eventually on a, a Rev Pro TV because he had the the tag match which was recorded with Havoc. Uh, so we'll give him another chance there. But I, 
I'd lump him in with Brown and get get rid of him. Um, but so for the lost souls, eh? Yeah, they they didn't actually ever call them that during this this match, either on commentary or being announced. So. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 actual uh, stable may be scrapped already. The on-screen graphic definitely said ourselves, oh, Jimmy Havoc. The the graphic did. Tyson the and X. Um, but aside from that um that wonderful reveal, um finally we had AJ Styles versus Zack Saber Jr. the the main event and probably the match. I'd say a large proportion of people were most excited for going in. Um, like even even on the VOD, I, you could tell that like the excitement in the in New York Hall was through the roof. Like to start this match, like knowing that this would be Styles' final match in the UK for now, like the excitement was palpable. I think we got really excited about it because we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, well, that and I mean, obviously. You, you can't have AJ walk out with the belt, but it's like, well, what else might happen? They ended up going for a pretty like, straightforward one-on-one contest, which uh, I thought that ended up working out quite well, because you've got, uh, with, with AJ and with Sabre, you've got two of the, the best technicians out there. Uh, Sabre um, just won the uh, wrestling, wrestling Observer Newsletter um, Best Technical Wrestler of the Year, and AJ himself won uh, the Observer uh, Wrestler of the Year. So you're looking at two guys who are extremely highly rated across the entire planet, clashing in the in the Red Pro ring. And uh, the 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 wrestling, the, the basics of the wrestling in this were, were extremely strong. I was disappointed, if I'm honest. Um, I still think it was a very good match, but I thought it felt to me like the first three quarters of a great match and then it never really escalated to that top level which I was expecting out of these two guys going in um, <laughs> the finish itself I really really liked um, I thought it was a, a, a great way to end the match but it, it, it kind of skipped from the the build um, straight to the finish and I, I never really felt it, it got that that um, that last five minutes of excellence that you see in the top top matches, um, and that you've kind of come to expect from a guy like AJ Styles. Um, I, I I didn't think it was a bad match by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I was definitely disappointed. But I kind of disagree with you because um, there, there was an awful lot of good stuff in that. I mean, like Saber, he was so good on the mat that he made AJ look almost borderline incompetent at times, not in a in a bad way, but in a, an actual uh, like wrestling match way. And but the the, the strength of uh, of Sabre's mat work was, was such that um it, it kind of drove the match forward. Mm. I thought Sabre really led this match, like say, um like Styles, obviously he's a big star and people pop for his signature moves. But like Saber really drove the match and gave it purpose with all his holds and uh, just the way he went about wrestling it and just looked so supremely confident. Not even not to the point of cockiness, but just like, supreme confidence. Like with but the way he was, he was the better around the ring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then you had like um, 
that AJ eventually gets to the point where he's like, I don't, I, I can't trade with this guy. So instead of doing that, he deliberately goes after the leg. It's like a, a more focused and more aggressive uh, counter to what uh, Sabre's been doing, which is just generally out wrestling him. And then he goes after the leg, set up the calf killer. So that's, that in itself is like, that's a, a perfect like storyline immediately because you have the, the superior wrestler, he's bossed the match. So the guy who's losing is like, okay, well, I need to do something different. He goes after the leg. Sabre comes back, goes after the arm. And that's that's your, your storyline. It's kind of like leg versus arm. And then he goes after and, the arm and then uh, gets dropped on his head in a sort of the half-styles clash. Which we oh, saw the half-styles uh, clash, yeah. Styles versus Nakamura and it got repeated yes. here again. I, I was about to mention that, yeah. It's just the, uh, it kind of lost something because we'd seen it uh, like two weeks previously uh Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, that spot again excellently executed. It was just the whole the whole thing with him going after the arm, going after the arm, and then AJ countering Styles Clash. And I, I did like the fact that AJ was so giving in his uh, last match that he was uh, allowing uh, Sabre to kick out of that Styles Clash. Um, Sabre hardly even uh, stayed down for the, the bloody Sunday. So it was it was a case of like. AJ did the right thing on his way out and, and put Saber over. Yeah, definitely. The finish was very definitive. Like not Saber just like knocking out uh, Styles with all his finishing moves, but just schooling him with wrestling and showing that Saber was the superior technical wrestler, which is like really good for AJ to give away to Saber and uh, puts a big feather in Saber's cap. As he goes forward, uh, he'll be sticking around in Rev Pro for a little bit at least as the champion. So, like, he looks like a proper major star, having beaten Styles in such a way, wrapping him up like a pretzel and making, forcing him to give up. Yeah, and it felt legitimate as well because of the work that he'd done throughout the match. By the end of it, you knew Zack Sabre Jr. was a better wrestler than AJ Styles. That's the story they told. It didn't matter how many. Uh, vicious moves that AJ has in his arsenal, Sabre was the better wrestler. How great was that finish? With the, that finishing <laughs> oh, submission. Oh, the arms and the... Where and he starts, the with, well. starts with a cross-arm breaker and then Styles is wriggling towards the rope, so he, he grabs his other arm and he turns it into a kind of a Wings of Saturn kind of thing. And then AJ and starts getting close to the well. ropes with his legs. So then Zack takes a leg with his arm and then takes the the leg that uh, the the arm that he was previously holding with that arm and takes it with his leg uh, and in the end Stars just oh, couldn't Lord. move at all he couldn't even tap out had to um, verbally submit it was it was a brilliant finish even if I wasn't tremendously into the actual the the bulk mm. of the match um, that that finish itself was was brilliant. I, I would say there's there wasn't like a major build to that finish. Like unlike Styles Nakamura, which had a spectacular finishing stretch, uh, here it was sort of like now it's the finish. Kind like I, it was still a strong match and it built well, but it wasn't as spectacular as it could have otherwise been. I, I love that British wrestling has, yep. has reached this kind of level where we're going. Well, you know, it was good, but it wasn't as good as the main events at WrestleCade. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you're just a little bit underneath. 
for me, it was the third best match of the night. Um, I actually preferred Damo Speedball to this. Uh, I would disagree. I'd say this is the second best. (laughs) Yeah, this is what when happens all... when you're not here, Rob. Uh, me and Ali agree on everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what you need to be here to argue stuff. They're not real opinions. They're all just contrarian, <laughs> just to just to inspire some debate. Um, overall, though, I thought it was a really strong show. Um, I I I enjoyed everything on it. Sounds like you guys enjoyed everything apart from the. The uh, the no DQ six man, which understandable. Um, maybe I I didn't actually enjoy it, and I just tricked myself into enjoying it by having such low expectations. Um, but but it, I also thought one of the real strengths was it it has great diversity. Um, there there was there was something for everyone here. Um, yeah, and that's that's always nice to see on the show. Yeah, it's like if if you like the comedy, there's a comedy match. If you like technical stuff. As a technical match, if you like the uh, the crazy epic with uh, loads of flying that's in there, it, it really did have everything for everyone. It's a good card, very good card. And I think everything served its purpose. Um, even if you didn't like the the no DQ match, it it worked well as like a reset. Um, and you mentioned it; it might have been better served before the Haskins lethal match because that match really did reset the crowd for the main event and you know that that felt like the point where they finally got over the the osprey um oh. skirl match um and so even if you didn't like it may would you agree that it, it did its job in a way oh absolutely yeah apart it, from it's just that nice little buffer match to kind of stop you know you've got the crowd reset that's the word you use wasn't it yeah. and it works it, it completely failed as a, a big surprise moment, um, but, but but apart from that, uh, I think everything delivered on this show, um, apart from uh, the main event didn't quite do it for me, but still a very good match. Um, yeah, I disagree. Maybe my expectations were too high. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, you can um, buy that show for streaming and download. Uh, for twelve dollars ninety nine, which I or think eight ninety nine in English. <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, yeah, there, there's a few little things that kind of show um, how quickly it was turned around. Um, Mike Bailey's mm. <laughs> um, like his digital entrance. They got the, uh, breaks the, the PNG up there instead of uh, the JPEG, but <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I'd i always prefer like it to be a little rough around the edges, but come out relatively soon than like PWG, where you have to wait, you know, six months or three months or whatever it is. I'm probably exaggerating now. I don't know how long it actually takes, but um, the quick turnaround's nice, and you can buy it from rpwondemand.com if you want to see that spectacular... Um, Osprey skill match, which everyone will probably be talking about for for at least a while, uh, and deserves to be. Um, right, so RevPro's next show is February sixth. Um, it's one of their TV tapings for RevPro TV, um, which I assume is going to be making a return relatively soon because they've already got one set of shows taped and in the can. Um, I, I don't know when it's actually going to come out, but 
hopefully soon, hopefully soon. Um, and there's there's three matches announced for this. Um, sometimes our previews get a bit wishy-washy. Um, we're, we're like, yeah, it should be a good match like, <laughs> to, to a, a fair proportion. Uh, so if we're we're gonna steal the um, the 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 previewing gimmick from the the flagship Voice of Wrestling show. Uh, if we go one to ten on each of these matches on our in anticipation, it might um, might make us be a, a bit more firm in our our viewpoints. Um, first match announced is the new number one contender taking on Timothy Thatcher for the third time in about the last two months. Um, also wrestled him in PWG and in APW recently over in the States. Um, this is Timothy Thatcher's first actual tour of the UK, I think. Although, actually, I think that might be a lie. I think he, he did do some training here a long time ago. Because um, <laughs> I made that claim uh, a while ago. But I thought he was from Britain, Rob. <laughs> well, he... He does a he doesn't a, a an accent that I guess could be seen as British. Um, I, I think he is he he's billed from London. Uh, whether he's actually he, stepped foot in London is another question. He's but... billed via London. <laughs> um, is the way they usually put it, uh, or or via England. I, I I can't remember. But um, you guys looking forward to that match? Are you Thatcher fans? I'm, I'm not. Really. I'm not a Thatcher fan either. I've never seen like. I've I've never rated any of his matches above like three three and a half stars. Like I'm 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 not on board with the grapple fucking. I like I don't get his style. He's 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 a decent wrestler. I think like when he cuts the the machismo uh, grapple bullshit towards the end of his matches. Like I remember towards the end of the, his match with Axel Data Junior in the sixteen carat match last year. Um, like when they were just headbutting each other, that was really good. But th prior to that, there was like eight minutes of just rolling around on the floor, and it was less good. So I'm, I'm, I'd say like three out of ten for this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I really like Thatcher. Um, I'm probably the only one of us that does, but uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've always been a uh, fond of a uh, combination of. Uh, you know, technical excellence and violence, and that's that's kind of what he brings. So um, I, I don't know. The uh, did you guys not see uh, the match with Chris Hero in uh, Bowler? Yeah, I've seen both um, both of his matches with Hero, and neither really did a lot for me. Um, he had another well praised one during WrestleMania weekend last year. I can appreciate that Thatcher is the best at the style he does, but that style just really doesn't do much for me. It's it's too dry for me. Um, but if if you're into that sort of thing, I can I can kind of see that he is the best at that, even though I don't really enjoy him personally. So I'm probably about a two or a three myself. See, I I don't know. It's just that that match with Hero. If you you watch it, but that was my favourite match. Uh, of Bowler Weekend. Like, nothing else was even close. I thought it was that good. Um, I don't know if it's because he works um, like a bit of a, a a Japanese strong style almost. You know, he, there's a lot of uh, heavy lumber and, and 
but there's a lot of chaining as well. It, I don't know. He just he just pushes all my buttons. You know, he's, he's like as a wrestler, he does things that I want to see in a wrestling ring. So he, he's totally um, he's one of my guys, I guess. So as soon as you two don't like him, I'm gonna have to uh, have to be a, a Thatcher guy. But yeah, I'd I'd go like I don't know eight. I mean, if if you're into him, and after that match Skull just had, it, he's you know. Well, yeah, well, it, Skull's Skull's hot. Thatcher's Thatcher. It, it should be a really good match. Well, if you like that kind of thing, which apparently only I do. <laughs> it, it's definitely a very divisive style. Um, people seem very polarizing. People seem to either love <coughs> it or hate it, and um, we've got that split here. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how that does with the crowd, um, because we don't really have a, a much of a grapple puck scene um, over in the the UK. I mean, I guess Jack Gallagher kind of does that sort of thing, but um, I'll definitely be interested to see if the crowd's receptive um, at the, the show. Um, second match announced so far. Uh, for the Cruiserweight, or Bruiserweight Championship, as he's calling it. Um, Pete Dunne is defending against Sanjay Dutt. Um, Sanjay Dutt, for me, is always a wrestler who's good, but never great. You know, you're always going to get like a, a free, three and a quarter, three and a half, maybe, um, performance from him, but rarely anything better. Um, very consistent, but doesn't have many highs. Um, I expect that will continue here in this match. Pete Dunne will probably, you know, have a good match with him, but nothing too blow away. So I'm probably maybe a six for this. I haven't seen Sanjay Dutt in ages. Like, he's been part of the uh, Global Force Wrestling Invasion of TNA, um, but that hasn't exactly come up on my radar, so... Yeah, I'll take it none of us watch TNA. I, um... I, I check out the... the the um, praised matches, um, but I watch the show regularly. Um, but he, I don't think he's been there for quite some time now. The the Global Force invasion only lasted a couple of months. Yeah, and actually, or, um, one TV actually pretty good. <laughs> actually, um, pretty good. They had some good matches by like TNA standards, at least, mm. and um, you know, spice but... spice some of that show up. I do have uh, vague good memories of him from X Division matches, so I'm I can clearly see why they've booked this match, put done over like an established cruiserweight veteran, show him to be like the future of their division, and I love me some Pete Dunne, so I, I'd give this a six. I think for in terms of like who will benefit from this match, it's probably not going to be any of us. It's going to be Pete Dunne. Uh, he, he needs to work with established guys. Um, he, he needs to learn the craft by competing against people who are more experienced than him, have, have been in uh, different companies, different places. Uh, so this is a, it's a good move for Pete Dunne. And if RevPro is serious about pushing him as a, as a big deal, they need him to have matches uh, with guys like this. So, yeah, uh, honestly, I'm not that into Sanja. I never was. So I'll say probably a five, but um, I can't, still can't look forward to how it turns out. And then finally, uh, last match announced, uh, we kind of talked about it a bit already, but uh, Colt Cabana versus Lord Gideon Grey to continue that series. 
um, could be good if Gideon busts out some um, <laughs> here un, un, until now unseen technical space flying uh, tiger drop. <laughs> and no, yeah, that's he's, got, he's got two weeks to get into uh, prime wrestling condition. Uh, he needs to go and uh, beg Johnny Saint to show him a few things. I, I'm I'm definitely up for this match though. Like it's been almost a year since I saw these two wrestle last, and like as a thing that I can get into every few months. Yeah, uh, especially if Gray cuts a promo beforehand or even a YouTube video beforehand, uh, like hyping the match up because he's very good at that. Like I'm I'm in I'm invested in this story. <laughs> so. So who will oh. cut Colt Cabana's promo? Oh. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Maybe Rishi Ghosh. Oh. A big turn. <laughs> but yeah, um, it could be the blow-off to the entire feud. It could take it in a new direction. I'm, I, I am, I'm invested in the feud, so yeah. Seven. Probably go more like a Five. I, I'm not sure Gideon has that skill that he'd need to have a good match with Cabana, because um, what we have seen of him in terms of his his wrestling skill, it's been more of a traditional traditional indie style match um, rather than the the British style. And Cabana hasn't really had that consistently good matches with that more traditional style so i imagine they'll probably go down the full comedy route and uh you all know i'm too grumpy for that sort of thing so mm. maybe a five or a four but hopefully they can um surprise me um i'm, I'm intrigued um if not excited I'd, I'd probably call it a five as well possibly if we haven't seen it already uh it might hold a little bit more intrigue but uh I think we know what to expect by this point. It should be all right. Uh, Rob, we have breaking news regarding uh, Zack Sabre Jr. on this show. Uh, Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. non-title match has been announced. Ooh. So ten. <laughs> ten, right. ten, ten, ten. Is that ten. just announced now? Because I uh, haven't seen that. Yeah, at all. like wow. half an hour ago. I've been on social media because I'm such a sociable man, <laughs> keeping up to date with. <laughs> Everything going on. And that was, was that Rev, Rev Pro announced that? Yep. Wow. Um, awesome. I brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I I I love that. This match. is going to mess up Rob's run sheet. He's going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I had seen that they'd announced that for a, an appearance, but yeah, that's that's a tremendous match. Um. And non-title makes makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, if they if they did give him a title shot, it would kind of make a mockery of the the high stakes match for the number one contendership, which Will just lost. Um, these two guys really mesh well. Um, one of uh, Will's occasional complaints is he kind of sometimes does too much, maybe. Um, and and Zach really grounds him in that respect. Um, and they, they had a tremendous match for the uh, Super Strong Style 16 Progress uh, Tournament Final. Uh, yeah. If this is anything like that, it should be should be fantastic. That was um, that was one of my uh, top ten matches of the year, uh, incidentally. That, so <laughs> that's a nine for me. 
Um, that's a nine. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. I, I'm going to go full ten. <laughs> so, what is a ten for you, Rob? <laughs> um, what was the match that you'd be on? Oh, yeah, that's definitely a ten. Like Daniel Bryan, Shinsuke Nakamura. A <laughs> hundred. I don't. I don't think we're going to get that. But um, yeah, well, I... they are going to be both be in the same company. Oh, I meant on Almost. the on the Rev Pro TV. Tape. <laughs> oh well, well. <laughs> I think that's highly the universal uh, universal <laughs> scale. Universal scale. Uh, I don't grade on a curve. Um, right. So unless anything else has been announced that I've missed in the last while we've been recording, um, I don't suppose they've announced uh, Brock Lesnar versus uh, Daisuke Sakamoto. Wait a chance have that because I really want to see that. <laughs> that that would be a ten. That would definitely be a ten. Um, I think that's everything for the the TV preview. Um, that'll be eventually up on uh, YouTube. Um, although, as I mentioned, they already have one full set of tapings that are yet to go up. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly when it will go up. But um, yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that uh, Sabre Junior um, Osprey match. That should be tremendous. And when it does come out, definitely something you all all need to all need to check out um right moving on then uh yes we're moving on to chapter 25 for progress uh their first show of the year chat shit get banged is the name yes. of the show <laughs> uh because jim smallman is a huge leicester city fan and what a time to be alive for him Indeed. no <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh the first match that we've got to look forward to is Flash Morgan Webster versus Paul Robinson. Again, we get to talk about Webster. <laughs> it seems like the topic never goes away because uh, he's routinely booked on these big shows, but neither of you guys like him at all. So, uh, what do you think about him meshing with I, Robinson? I, I don't mind him uh, being booked on the shows as long as he isn't sort of, you know, being pushed and winning and stuff. He's fine. In, there's an opening match against Paul Robinson. I mean, I can see that being a pretty good match. Uh, Robinson tends to gel well with guys who flip around him. I don't know he used to do a lot of the flying himself, but um, because he understands that style, it, he seems to be very good at countering it. Um, so it should be a good match. I mean, like the his match with Osprey was was, was really strong. Um, either guy, I guess you could say that, but Robinson especially. Um, so yeah, I would say I've been pretty good. I, am I supposed to do like a, a ten on this one? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I would say a seven, which is about as high as you're going to get for me for, for Flash Morgan Webster. I'll go five. It'll be decent. <laughs> harsh rater. Um, you're a harsh rater. I, I could see this being a, a solid opener. Um, I'm not I'm not sure exactly sure when it's going to be on the card, but um, it should be fairly good. Um, I I like Robinson a lot. Um, Webster can be good, um, <laughs> and hopefully this will be one of those occasions. Um, but he he's on a, a hot streak of one in progress at the moment. Let's see if he can carry that on. Something that I'm uh, noticing on these progress cards um, recently is it's they're booking it very logically, almost like a UFC card. As people win and lose, they move up and down the card in sort of input matches of importance so later on or we can get to this now 
we've got Mark Haskins versus Zach Gibson, and I believe that that's the number one contenders match because Haskins beat a, a lower contender last time out. Uh, Gibson didn't take the pinfall in his title match. It makes more sense for them to have the bigger match, that number one contender match, uh, who Webster, who took the pin in the championship freeway, and Robinson, who's been on a bit of a losing streak as of late. Like, I feel like every every they've they've booked these cards pretty meticulously, so that the contenders are moving up and down as they win and lose, and they can cycle people in and out of importance. So it's just something I've been picking up on. I do like here. logic in wrestling. Yeah, there's not yeah. enough of it, and that's 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 and pleasing, like, actually. I I don't particularly like rankings per se in wrestling because it it can get very like messy if something messes up the rankings. It can feel forced. Yeah, Ring of, yeah. Ring of Honor tried to do like a top five and ranking thing, and it just it didn't work. Yeah, at all. TNA tried it as well, like a top ten contenders, and people moved up and yeah, down. Yeah, and Evolve Evolve are doing it at the moment. Um, it it. But... It doesn't really work, especially for a company that like has people moving in and out and uses imports. Like you couldn't have Mark Andrews come straight back into a title match. But it, as the sort of behind the scenes rankings, I think they're doing a very good job of it as they move people up and down. Just a... it feels very natural. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm very much enjoying the way they've they've been logically handling um, guys after title shots because um, yeah, you know, the four guys you just mentioned Haskins, Gibson, Webster and Robinson all four of them are people who have fallen to Osprey and they've all felt like they've had stuff to do um, mm. uh, and every match feels purposeful um, It's interesting they've had them all mix it up as well afterwards it's like you know you, you'd lose that title match here's somebody else who lost the title match and it's kind of that's how they're forming a ranking system a trip back up to the top, as it were. Yeah, so um, uh, I think I'm about six on a Webster Robinson. Could be, could be decent. Um, could be good. Could be good. Hopefully. Mm. What about uh, Haskins Gibson? What are we thinking for that? Haskins Gibson is a match I'm very excited for. Um, I think these two will mesh really, really well. Um, I'm probably like an eight or a nine for that. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's not overly marred by interference from the rest of the origin, although you know, if we're we're going by past experiences, there's a good chance it will be, but um, hopefully they keep that to a minimum, because these two could have a, a great match. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Haskins probably wins here, because um, being a face... And I we're, think... we're still kind of hoping for that rematch, aren't we, the... Well, I was thinking more that Marty was probably winning the main event, and he's going to need a, a face challenger. Um, but or that I'd... Haskins in the main event is something. I Haskins works if, both ways. If Haskins wins this match, it keeps the main event open because he could either be the face challenger for Heel Skull or be the re the big rematch of like the very uh, critically acclaimed uh, uh, match against Osprey. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Whereas if Gibson wins, it, it, and it, it, it is a number one contenders match. I believe so, yes. Yeah. I think so, I, yeah. Um, Gibson wins is just really only Gibson Osprey. You can't really do Gibson skill. They're both like the most extreme heels in the company, I would, I would say. So we just logicked ourselves out of Zach Gibson winning this match. 
Yeah. You can't do that Screw without it. quite a lot of build. You know, you you want to when you have those heel versus heel matches, you've got to you got to tease it. You've got to have a storyline behind mm. it, otherwise it feels kind of forced. Um, I mean, they've they've kind of done that with Jimmy Havoc um, versus Josh Bonham in Red Pro. Um, it's kind of led to Havoc eventually turning face without ever having that one moment where it was suddenly like, oh yeah, he's a face now. Um, but it, that was kind of a slow burn. But um, yeah, just having that as a number one contenders match, if Gibson wins, it definitely does feel at least like it would give away the, the result of the main event. Um, yeah, but a match you'd be looking forward to, um, Arnold, or you're too down on Gibson? Um, Gibson's only good at certain things, but um, against Haskins, I can see it working because Haskins is so fluid in the ring. It's like his strengths should play into Gibson's strengths. I mean, Gibson's pretty good uh, at mat wrestling, counter wrestling, uh, as long as he's still got that contact, as long as there isn't space between him and his opponent, he always looks pretty convincing. My, my uh, issue with Gibson as a worker is that when it comes to complicated pre-planned spots, he's standing there looking at it, waiting for it to happen. And, you know, his arms are out there and it's just like he's waiting to be struck by lightning or <laughs> something. It just looks really phony. Whereas with Haskins, I can see it working better than that. So, uh, but as, as far as Gibson matches go, I'd say this is about as exciting as it gets. I, I will go a seven with you, Rob. I went eight. Did you? Okay, I'll go seven. I did. <laughs> yeah, I'd go, I'd go eight on this. I'm not going to an eight for Gibson. I would go eight on this because, like you say, I think Gibson... I, I think he worked well with Webster, but I do pick up on what you say about him sort of overanalyzing spots. Whereas with Haskins, it's going to be a bit more uh, nitty-gritty, like hold-for-hold action. I think both these guys are really going to play off each other very well, so I'm excited for that. Uh, moving on to um, the Natural Progression Series match, which was uh, supposed to feature Sebastian, presumably, but he has been removed from the Natural Progression Series for, as progress call, personal reasons. Um, we could probably get into that now. Uh, the geezers are on the ICW show, Square Go, this Sunday, and not on the Progress show. Is that an indication that they have gravitated towards uh, ICW as a more home promotion, like we were talking about on the last podcast, as something that maybe guys can't work both sh- both promotions at once? And this is an indication here. The geezers are in ICW. Sebastian has been taken out of the Natural Progression series, put two and two together. Um, I'd be surprised that they they chose uh, to work ICW exclusively because it's so far away from where they live. Um, you'd think logic that they'd stick with where they broke in, where they, they're established, which would be progress, but I, I don't know. But ICW does play to their strengths a lot more than progress. Like, progress has its comedy segments, but it's not really as goofy as ICW is. I feel like they could be stars and shine in ICW and get proper character development, whereas in Progress they'd always just be a bit um, on the fringe being the comedy guys and never really being um, a featured talent. I think the big surprise here is that um, Progress didn't look at the uh, potential for a clash with ICW and think, well, who might want to work that show Shall we speak to them like early in development here 
uh, in terms of the booking of a tournament. It's like, you, you think they'd probably have thought about that in advance. Um, so it's well, a bit of a surprise to me that it's not worked out that way for them. Well, the wording of the, the statement they made when they were removing uh, Sebastian, it they they definitely it felt like they were they were holding back strong words. Yeah. Um, they definitely didn't get the impression that this was a a, a happy mutual separation. Because um, they have invested a lot of there's... effort into the geezers. They've oh. been I say they haven't been featured, but they have been a major part of their shows. I've been all over the not, shows. Yeah. Not in a wrestling capacity, but they were they they did the office parody. And they opened the show as the Stormtroopers, and Storm, Storm they Jesus. they were set up as uh, players in progress. And now they they have been appearing on ICW a lot. They're in the Square Go match, and he's been pulled out. It's you can see where it's going. You know, I've seen some speculation that um, that they were booked here in a minor role, like a like a show opening you know, Storm Geezer sort of thing. And then they, they blew that off for the, the square go and progress aren't particularly happy with that. I, I have no idea if that's actually true, but it would kind of seem to, to fit the story and it would and fit like, what we do know. Progress would that have that'd be a bridge burner though, you know, just picking one over the other when Progress is the, the company that appeared in, I would say, more frequently. I, I'm not sure if that's true. I guess I the, uh, a lot of work the case of this, previous to this, was the Nathan Cruz, where he was at the WWE tryout on the day and then had to stay behind for that and couldn't make the show that he thought he would. And then he didn't appear in Progress for almost a year after that. So there is um, precedent here. Uh, obviously, Progress don't like to have bookings pulled out from underneath them so how they're going to treat the geezers from now on are they going to appear um what's it like it's all very much speculation up in the air at the moment but uh well the fact that the fact that they were pulled from the tournament because i don't think that they actually had a tournament match scheduled here i think this is just sebastian being pulled from the tournament because he's not going to be used anymore um, that's what it feels like. Because yeah. I don't think the ma I think the semi-final was scheduled to be um, up in Manchester anyway. Um, so it's not like they've gone, oh, you can't work this date. We'll take you out of the tournament and use you in another role. It's oh, you're not working this date. Okay, as a punishment almost. It, it feels like. I mean, I guess we'll 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 see. Um, but that that's that that's definitely what it feels mm. like, at least from my viewpoint. And it it's almost like we crystal balled this because we were talking about uh the progress ICW divide and how it splits up the country and splits up the talent. And here's uh quite a major indication of that here with like Projo. It, I I feel like I we can't understate that these are Projo trained guys. Like Progress clearly want the guys they bring up in the Projo to be their featured talent for the next several years and now two of their feature players like but two of the three big stars that they have produced from the projo the other being william eva who they would want to feature prominently going forward have now seemingly defected so it's i <laughs> it's kind of pales in comparison to the whole shinsuke nakamura deal but there's some <laughs> some similarities there <laughs> 
Um, as someone who's grumpy and doesn't enjoy comedy wrestling, I'm delighted um, <laughs> by this, to be honest. Um, I pretty much always skip their matches. They don't do a lot for me, although they're very over, so they, they clearly do a lot for a lot of people. Um, but um, hopefully we're going to see Tyler Bate take um, Sebastian's place here. Mm. Because um, they're having a, a match which was basically a redo of a first round match with two losers from the first round. Tyler Bate versus Damien Dunn. Damien doesn't do a whole lot for me, but I really like Tyler Bate. And if this this uh, whole scenario leads to Tyler Bate being used more regularly <laughs> for progress, then um, that's a, a great outcome from my point of view. This is uh, a Midlands match, my Midlands boys, uh, who have to rep. Uh, I really hope Dunn has a better showing than he did last time because he and Sebastian had a real stinker in their first natural progression match. Um, I think he'll work a lot better with Bate since he knows Bate. They've wrestled before in various uh, circumstances. I feel like this will almost be like taking a match from Fight Club Pro and putting it into progress. So that's exciting for me as someone who goes to those shows live. Uh, and I go to see progress as well, but I've almost sort of adopted the Midland scene. Uh, as my own underground uh, one, so I really hope Dunn impresses more because uh, he he did not get over at all in his first match. Bait really did. The Sledgehammer song was brilliant, uh, and like I I've already gushed about his uh, the post match with Smallman, like telling him that he has a bright future. Uh, he's got a lovely mother as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> she. Uh... Very, very active at searching his name on Twitter. Um, so, what happened there? Because I saw the tweet that you said that was like high Tyler Bates' mum or something like that. And so but I didn't tag anyone. Him it, it, <laughs> if you praise Tyler Bates on Twitter, uh, Tyler Bates' mother will favourite it. <laughs> really? so I, uh, I sent out a, a, a tweet without any text, uh, any tags saying, hello Tyler Bates' mum, and she, uh, she replied. She said hello back. Um, you never know, she might listen to this. Um, yeah, uh, this is a match I'm looking forward to. I think Tyler Bates definitely a better opponent for, for Damien. Um, I expect him to impress more. But even so, Tyler Bates, from what I've seen of both guys, is the more impressive of the two. And I hope he advances here. Um, I'm probably like a, a seven, maybe, for this one. Oh, I'm a nine because this is like a Ooh. it's a, it's a second trot it's a second go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I grade completely on a curve here. I'm, <laughs> I mean, this would not be a nine if this was in the Tokyo Dome, but <laughs> at like just having done getting a second chance is great because he stunk in the first one and he should be a lot better here. And yeah, I want to see more bait. So I, I just want Rob's reaction like recorded, so like uh, every time I say something outrageous, I can just play it. And like... <laughs> That's uh, the same rating I gave Offspring Saber Junior. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like Tyler Bate. He's he's a good good guy, um, talented youngster. Um, I haven't seen much of Damien Dunn. Uh, should be alright. I'm not quite as excited as you, chaps. So I'll probably go six. Okay, moving on um, to a women's four-way match. The second women's match on a Progress Chapter show: Pollyanna versus Tony Storm versus Dahlia Black versus Ginny. 
Ginny and Pollyanna had a very good match uh, at the Super Strong Style tournament uh, day two, uh, which was a no DQ match. Um, like it felt like a match between two uh, people from a wrestling school who had worked a lot together. Which isn't to say it was bad, it just felt very rehearsed, which is something people have been saying a lot about women's wrestling, so I won't go into that. But it was it was a it was a strong performance by uh, both Ginny and Pollyanna. Uh, Pollyanna especially like got over in that match. Ginny was al- her character had already been well defined on Endeavor shows, but like Pollyanna really showed up in that match and like exuded some charisma of her own. Uh, Tony Storm, sort of a journeyman of or journeywoman of um, uh, the UK Indies. Um, so you've probably seen her around if you've been to a local show, um, but this is her first time out on a chapter show. And Dahlia Black, I believe, is from New Zealand, um, who's been wrestling in the UK for about a year, I think. I'm not. I have never seen her live, so I don't really know much about her. Um, what do we think of this one? I was very disappointed that after such a great showing that they had at Chapter 19, that they, you know. They they tried a woman's match, it delivered, and then nothing yes. for the next six I, I was chapters, very disappointed by um, that. Like... You know, 19 to 25. Um, and it's good to see them, you know, give them another chance, which, well, maybe not another chance because they delivered in their first one. But um, hopefully this becomes more of a regular thing as long as they continue to deliver, mm. which hopefully they should do. I've seen some people not to, you know, some people um, go with the argument that throwing four women just into a, a match is, isn't the way to go, and it's kind of just a way to go, yay, look, we booked four women. I don't see this as that. Um, as long as it every match is in a, a four-way. Um, I'm not overly familiar with some of the some of the uh, women on this, this match, but it should be good. They have um, been um, building... The, the women's feuds in progress on the Endeavor shows, which I'm, I haven't been keeping up to date with the Endeavor shows, but I have been reading, like, spoilers and little things. So, all these women have had interactions with each other on those Endeavor shows, so if you hit up Demand Progress, probably check it out and see what the backstory here is. It's not just completely thrown together, but I do agree it's a bit out of the blue to suddenly be like, hey, here's the women again. Uh, like, six months after their previous match. I was disappointed that they didn't come back sooner with uh, another match. But uh, on the Endeavor shows, they have been uh, working a couple of women's matches per show. And apparently, she isn't in this match, but um, Elizabeth, who is uh, Ginny's personal assistant, has been really impressing there. Again, I haven't been watching these shows, so um, this is all just word of mouth. I'll have to check them out. But um, apparently, Elizabeth is really quite good for someone who's only been wrestling a year. I get the impression that these four are all very familiar with each other, um, and that should help, obviously, it always does. We, we, uh, we were both paying close attention to the, uh, the recent uh, Twitter um, deal with the progress feed, where they had like, an Ask Progress thing going on, and someone asked about a, like a women's title, and the response was just like a flat Y. Um, that was somewhat concerning, to me, is, that, mm. is this something where it's just like a bit of a bit of a sideshow? I th- yeah, I feel like I need to collect my thoughts a bit about um the whole progress dealing with women's wrestling thing, 
more, because otherwise I'm just going to babble on and sound like an idiot. Um, but they do tend to treat it a bit precociously. Like, but like I, I complained about this in my review of the Pollyanna Ginny match. Like, the way they built up to the match, like, Smallman saying, like, oh, don't don't treat this like a woman's match, just treat it like a wrestling match, because it's good wrestling. And it's like, just put the match on, and I'll decide for myself how to consider the match, rather than be like, yeah, cheer for the women, because they're women. Like, I, it shouldn't have to be a factor, and if you point out, if you save it, it doesn't have to be a factor, it's suddenly a factor. It should just be yeah, like, just, just let them just, do their Just thing. do it. <laughs> just do it, is what I would say, rather than making it a thing. I mean, we've, we've had such pleasing developments in terms of uh, the, the popularity of women's wrestling over the past like, two years, um, with with NXT kind of at the forefront. Mm. It's like they've, they've shown that we're not grading on a different level yeah. here. It's like when we're talking about like Sasha Banks and, and Bailey, we're, we're talking about genuinely good wrestlers. It doesn't matter if they're women or not. Uh, and that's... All, all the uh, all they're going to want here is to have an opportunity to show what they can do, and uh, it's the same in, in ICW when there's uh, uh, women mm. wrestling. I think it's the it's, it's the show don't tell thing for me. Yeah, just put the <laughs> just, match on just and... show me the match rather than telling yeah. me all about how great the match is going to be before it happens. I don't think it's intentional, but it does come across as they're kind of asking people to go, "Oh, look at us! Uh, look how great we are! We're booking women." And it that that shouldn't be needed to be said. Just um, just book the women and we'll and, enjoy it. Uh, hopefully, yeah. How, how um, about that? <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully if, this if is. If Triple uh, H gets it, then come on. <laughs> <laughs> Radiant Beast God for you. Uh, <clears throat> uh, shall we move on to Rob Lynch versus Michael Dante, the first in a series of three? Uh, Sumerian Death Squad versus London Riots matches that will take place across the next three progress shows. So at chapter twenty-six, in a series of four. <laughs> oh well, of course they had the uh, the match in Manchester, but this is almost like an official series that they've announced in advance. So they're going to have the two singles matches building up to a, a blow-off tag match. So End versus um, forgotten his name now. <laughs> Rescue me, James Davis. <laughs> James da- N versus James Davis will be happening on chapter twenty-six back in Manchester, and then uh, presumably a really big match, potentially even a main event, because they're building up over these months and making like what was when Smallman announced that he made it sound like a really big deal. He said it was the biggest, the biggest tag match uh, they've ever had in progress, so it could potentially be a main event. Um, it's Vesemarian Death Squad versus London Riots two on two. What do we think about building these matches up? Because it sort of it lessens the impact of Lynch Dante and N Davis, but it also like if they were putting these matches on anyway, people would figure okay they're building up to the tag match, so they've sort of skipped the middleman and booked the tag match two months ahead of time and let them have these preview matches almost on these shows. I'm I'm into always into matches with stakes. Um, helps make them feel important. And for this one, they've got the winner chooses the stipulation, oh, the, course, yeah. the tag match. So um, that's that's something I'm into. Um, I think 
both guys here are, are very underrated wrestlers. Um, Rob Lynch is my favourite part of the, the London Riots. No disrespect to James Davis, but I, I'm really a big fan of Rob Lynch. And then Michael Dante, I don't think, gets enough love. Um, Tommy's kind of the, the focal point of that team. But I think it's Michael Dante Tommy's is just tremendous. so good. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. I, I like Michael Dante. It, it will be interesting to see what Dante can do without him, because this is his first singles match in progress. It might be the first singles match I've ever seen from him. So, like, he's always been end and Dante. Now it is just Dante. It will be exciting to see, like, just what he can do in a singles environment. Maybe a seven for this? Yeah, I'll go seven. All right, touch under, I'll give it a six. Uh, right, moving on to Tag Team Championship. The Origin, uh, Nathan Cruz and El Liguero versus FSU. Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews. Um, Eddie Dennis, we've mentioned it many a time, but he's a lot better when he's Mark Andrews' tag team partner than trying to go it alone. Uh, he just seems more comfortable. Um, he's a better tag wrestler in general than a singles wrestler, but especially with, especially with Andrews. Um, this should be good, pretty good stuff. Um, I'm not expected to be blown away, but. I I like all four guys in in this match and um, expecting a good showing. I don't um, I don't really know what to expect from this one. Like um, it could go either way. It could be an absolutely outstanding match, or it could just be a bit of a mess. Um, I reserve judgment until it's actually happened. I I really can't tell which way it's going to go. So does that Probably mean we get like two, two different numbers? If Origin bullshit, if Origin bullshit is kept out, and they have a pretty strong match that's built around FSU and them working as a tag team rather than Origin silliness or even a car crash, um, I'd say seven. If it's going to be overbooked, if like the booking gets in the way of a match, two. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I, I totally agree with that. It's like the the problem with um, with the origin is that there's always that outside interference being an issue uh, to, to the point where it's like you'd, you'd think there'd be some sort of stipulation by now, like you know, no outside interference. I mean, origin banned from Dave Mastiff doesn't have a match on this show, so yeah. he's definitely getting involved. He's going to be there, isn't he? <laughs> Unless... waiting, waiting to interfere. Uh... I think he's. I think he. Um. They they ran a an angle where he's he's banned from. Oh, of course, yeah. This show, yeah. Because he, I think he's going to be at ICW. Yeah. <laughs> so so they he may actually go into series three. Yeah. So clearly he announced um, his participation in Square Go in advance. So they managed to get him out of the show without uh the bridge getting burnt. But yeah, yeah. I remember. Um. They had the match at Endeavor. Eddie Dennis versus Dave Mastiff. Um, and after the match, Mastiff assaulted Dennis. And storyline, he gets banned for 30 days. So that he will not be there. So actually, that does suggest that there might not be silliness. Askins I mean, might make... Zach Gibson's still there. Askins makes so Gibson tap maybe. out. He's got his ice pack on his shoulder backstage. <laughs> can't, can't run out of the ring. Hopefully. So, do do Hopefully. you see a talking change there? Mm, the Origin have just won it back, so I don't know if they're going to go for that again, but potentially. And they, 
they've never done two-time champions with any of their belts. Um, Until now. And <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I think before they went for a, a second... Um, but before they did their first time at having two-time champions, they probably want more build than has existed here, but could could be a change, could be a change. I meant um, um, the origin of two-time champs, officially, because they... <laughs> uh, if officially, it's uh, the Faceless were champions, as Faceless, oh, yeah, faceless Man 1 and Faceless Man 2 were champions, and then uh, the origin essentially took the belt over, and then lost them immediately <laughs> the day after they did so. Yeah, that. So that this is officially a, their second. A range. very forgettable reign. <laughs> um, yeah, so ignore my last point. Uh, yeah, could be a title change. Um, they've done that before. They've done a a quick turnaround title change, which I'd completely forgotten about before. Um, so could see it again. Um, that would be <laughs> quite the curse for the Origin for it to happen twice in a row. Um, for them to hold the tag belts for a single show. Or uh, they won it two shows ago, didn't they? Yes, that yeah. was the chapter twenty-four between. But they haven't defended um, it yet, so lose it on their first defense both times <laughs> would be. I mean, it's a story to go with, I guess. Um... Well, I always sense that there needs to be something going on within the origin. There needs to be something where there's like a clash of personalities within there just to get them going in a way at the moment mm. there's four guys and they're all sort of around the same level it's high time somebody either took charge or took issue with somebody else in the group just to create like a bit of excitement losing the belts again quickly could do that uh, shall we move on to the main event uh it's a big one and a rematch of uh the critically acclaimed Skull versus will osprey this time it's no DQ, and this time it's for the Progress Championship. And this time it also has the added story issue of Skull uh, having established his heel, no fun allowed character, um, and smashing Osprey's arm with the chair to end Chapter 24 in a very Jimmy Havoc light scene. Uh, what do we think of Skull's chances here? Are we getting a title change? I think we are. Um... Osprey doesn't. It feels like his reign has almost run its course in a way. Um, his um, his his climb, his chase was more more yes. more interesting a story than his actual reign. And they've had just had these they've had like matches. the super, They've had the super indie matches that uh, we were expecting, especially the Haskins one. That was such a, like a standout vacuum match, um, but. He will run out of challenges very quickly, especially if he beats Skull. So I think put him back into chase mode, put the heel back on top. Eh, it's classic booking, but it's reliable booking. So I think that's almost definitely the way they're going, unless they throw a big curveball in the works. I think a loss for Osprey hurts a lot less than a loss for Skull. Yeah. Because um, if Skull loses, if, if he's Skull right back loses, to the start. He, he just becomes just another of Osprey's challenges. Um, he he kind of needs to win here in this progress environment. While Osprey's a made man in progress already. I think the the only other way um, that Skill gets out of this with with a loss is if he completely flips afterwards and just starts killing people. That's the only other <laughs> way they can do it, really. Yeah. If they wanted to keep the belt on Osprey, that would be the only way they could. Do it. 
Did you guys see the uh, Skull promo video for this? I did. I, yeah. I thought it was very well produced, and like, Skull's really coming into his own as a talker now. At least in uh, a, a pre-produced environment. I'm not sure I, I loved it. It, it. There were bits about it I liked, but bits felt a little overly goofy, perhaps. But um, I liked the message he was trying to get across, that that Will was preparing for another match with Jimmy Havoc. Um, he's preparing for the last war, and that's why he's going to lose this one. That's, that's a nice story to tell. And um, also I like that he's referencing the Spectre of Havoc, because there is definitely still, uh, like, Havoc still hangs over progress. He'll always be synonymous with progress because of that crazy story that they told over two years and made it their entire main event program and told it so well. And for Skull to sort of mirror Havoc in many ways, but not be as charismatic or as uh, villainous as much as he tries to be, I feel like referencing that rather than just trying to shove it off to the side is like a good thing to do story-wise, because it at least makes them aware of what they're doing rather than just plowing forward with the same story. They're going to try and make it different. It was kind of the elephant in the room that Skull was kind of being like Havoc light version. Um, but now he's addressed that and said, well, I, this is why I'm different. I, I don't care about hurting you. I don't care about hurting progress. I just want to win the title. And that's what makes me different. That's why I'm going to beat you because you're, you're trying to still prepare for Havoc. That, that kind of took away that problem of skill just being a light version of Havoc. Um, as for the match itself, I'm, I'm not nearly looking forward to it as much as I was the, the Red Pro match, um, mainly because of the no DQ stipulation. I don't think either of these guys' styles fit um, fit as well into no DQ as they do a more traditional match, but it should still be good. Um, maybe on like a 7-ish. Uh, I'd go 8. The no DQ does make it more intriguing, and it makes it different to the Rev Pro match, which is very like clean cut. This is going to be very messy. It's going to be the progress car crash. Um, hopefully they break like out something. Clean. Hopefully, hopefully they break out something really crazy because we've been we've had a few tame brawls in progress recently, where they haven't really done anything amazing like Osprey springing off uh, the balcony. I, I would like to see something, like, mind-blowing like that. And Osprey is the guy who can deliver it. And if they want to make it a really special event, then yeah. They may, hopefully they go for that, because I don't want to just want to see someone... They have to keep topping themselves, really. You can only throw someone off the stage onto people so many times. You need to reinvent the wheel. But there's lots of places you can climb around in the electric ballroom, so they, they can get creative. Uh, yeah, I wasn't quite looking forward to this one uh, and, until the Red Pro match just reminded me how good it was. Um, so I was kind of around a seven, but I think I'd probably go a nine just because I'm looking. Uh, Marty is a lot less fun in progress since he reinvented himself there, but um, I, the, the I, chemistry that they have is enough. I, I missed the whoop whoop so bad. Like when yeah. uh, I, I, I genuinely feel this is 
this is a silly thing to say, but uh, with when Saber Junior used uh the leader's old theme as well, which had whoop whoop in it, um, I think the whoop whoop gets people excited for a match, because when everyone is on their feet for Skull's theme, this is talking about uh hyper high stakes show. Everyone's on their feet for Skull's theme. They sing along. It gets the energy up. <laughs> I think the whoop whoop has like mystical powers. But get <laughs> make, makes a match before it begins already better, or at least more exciting. So he's not got that in progress. That's uh, that's going to be it's, a detriment. Obviously, that's an intentional move. They wanted to get rid of Whoop Whoop so that people wouldn't support him. But it does kind of dampen the mood a bit. Yeah, I don't like his music. <laughs> his progress. Kind of the point, all. though. You're not supposed to like it. Was is it Portis Head? It's terrible, whatever it is. Um, right, so overall, I think this is one of the stronger um, lineups they've had for a progress show in in a bit. Um, probably since that that it, real strong run of shows. It could go either way. I think it depends on how booking it gets. Like I've been saying this uh, for yeah. Tommaso Champa's matches in progress. Like sometimes they can't, they get in their own way, and like they. they I could I could see uh, running down looking at the card. I could see every single match here potentially, apart from Bait Dumb, which will be under ten minutes, like an exhibition match. Um, I could see six of the seven matches here having some sort of gimmicky interference or booking that just kind of kills the match. It means that I can't safely watch any of these matches in the knowledge that we're just gonna get. Uh, <laughs> clean all the way through, great match. There's There could be gimmicky stuff that progresses the story but dampens a match in almost every match on this card. So it really depends on what they're planning going forward as they set up 2016 and how much this show is just a pawn to do that, to build to a bigger show, or if they're going to put all their cards on the table for this one. Well, hopefully it's a mixture. It'd be nice to have a yeah. mixture of like, progression of storyline in some of the matches, but in some cases, just let the match stand. I'm just saying, itself. there's not one match here that you could definitely point to and say, no matter what else happens on the show, this one is definitely going to deliver. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, I, I would say Skull and Osprey is pretty much a guarantee. Oh yeah, it's going to be good fun, match. definitely. But I just don't know how much like it's going to turn into a story match, and. How that will be affected? I don't know. It's all up in the air. I'm I'm staying positive. I'm just being cautiously positive. Oh. Right. We've already gone. I think we're probably just about hitting the two hour mark now. So the the rest of our topics we got will will whiz through now. Um, on the same day, ICW. Uh, so that's January twenty fourth. That progress show. ICW. The other end of the the UK. Um, up in Scotland is running the Square Go, which is one of their big four shows of the year, um, which is very Royal Rumble similar. Um, it's like the, the Royal Rumble versus uh, money, money in the Bank, because it's kind of a, a title shot at any point over a year for the winner, as opposed to like a, a, the standard, you know, WrestleMania, which is the WrestleMania is in November, so that's quite a way off. So the, the two big matches on this show are um, Chris Renfrew versus Grado um, for the title, which has had quite the build. 
um, and the square go match itself, which is a 30-man Royal Rumble kind of thing, but with weapons. Um, I, I've stated many a time I'm not too invested in ICW, but uh, uh, there's been there's been quite a bit of buzz around this uh, Chris Renfrew Grado match. Um, well, you got any think, thoughts on that? Well, Chris Renfrew, his promos to lead into this match with Grado have been as good, well, almost as good, not quite as good, but as good as the ones that Grado did to build for his match with Drew Galloway. Yeah, he's been like he's been telling a really good story. Lots of passion in the promo, and like, oh, yeah, I, I share the sentiment of fuck TNA, so you know, <laughs> good on you, Renfrew. Well, you can tell he means it, and that, that goes a long way in, in wrestling. It's like everything that he's saying is like, mm. you know, this is this is my time. I could have done without the, the work shoot aspects mm. where they're like, <laughs> oh, starting the promo off, with, and this is a shoot. I was like, oh. Why are you saying that? <laughs> just, just cut the promo normally. Yeah, again, show don't well. tell. But it's the, the the passion in what he's been saying. The passion there was, was good, and it like um, highlights how much ICW means as a promotion to these people. Like, it, it shows that the promotion itself has a life of its own. It's not just a facilitator for them to have matches. It is its own living, breathing thing, and that can only get people behind ICW even more. So it's definitely a smart idea to like tell people, show people, and tell people just how much that that we care and love ICW. Even the heels, like it's their life, and they don't want uh, people treating it trivially and going to America and being like, "Oh, I'm from this little Scottish promotion, but now I'm in the big leagues." For them, this is the big leagues. This is their life, and I thought that was really good for ICW to present that and like spread the YouTube clips and like it builds their brand. I always like when heels have like a an a a motivation that you can kind of understand. Um or that that seems real. And and that's what they've done with Renfrew here. He's not just generic evil guy who's nasty to he to nasty to the faces because that's his job, he's a heel. Um, he's got motivation here, and he's explained his motivation well. Um, I'm, I've no idea if the actual match will deliver, but the, the build for it's been very good. Now, as for the, the square go match, um, I don't really have too much of an idea as who's going to win. Um, although I have seen it thrown around that Big Demo might be might be due a title shot, and it yeah. could be the... I the way they get I, we we need like a a list of uh entrants which I'm trying to find right now um but yeah uh, Joe Kofi or um Big Demo would be like uh, Joe Kofi's the number one entrant so yeah. could they go it have him go the whole way that would put Kofi. him over big or they could do a Roman Reigns with him and have Ren Renfrew and um, Grado. Because if Grado's keeping the belt, you, you kind of need a, a heel to come up against him, I would say. Uh, whereas if Renfrew wins, you, you kind of need a face. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the order is. Is it uh, Renfrew and Grado going on before? I think, so. I think so. That's, I think that's the way it's been listed. Yeah, that's what I saw. So it will be dependent, I think, on who wins that match. Mm. 